Today's reading is from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And you've got mute first. Uh, thanks for reading that, Alison. Um, why don't we pray, and then we'll look at this psalm together in this last of our series. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your holy, uh, mighty presence. And our prayer is that your word might be our rule, that uh, your spirit, that he might be our teacher, and that your honour and your glory alone might be our supreme concern for the next few moments at the very least. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Well, it'd be great if you uh, could have that psalm open in front of you. Uh, the, the theme of today's talk is staying spiritually fresh. Uh, during Earlier during the lockdown, while I was struggling with a persistent cough and a fever, I, I had the virus, I think, back in March, my two sons did a fantastic job of cutting back two of the trees in our garden. Hiring tree surgeons cost hundreds of pounds, so they saved me quite a lot of money. And I was really grateful for that. Although these two trees increasingly encroached into our garden space, we didn't want to get rid of them uh, because they are both evergreen trees. And people like evergreen trees because they stay green all year round. Hence the name. And in contrast to deciduous trees, evergreens do not shed or drop their leaves in the autumn or the fall as the Americans like to call it. So evergreens continue to provide both shelter and colour during the bleak, dark, cold and wet winter months, when most other trees are bare and or without much colour. Now it has become increasingly clear that the current pandemic is not going to end anytime soon. We hear talk of things never quite being the same again, of businesses closing down uh, for good, of a new normal and of possible lockdowns in the new year. This crisis has turned out to be less like a short, sharp blizzard and more like a hard, long, cold winter that is a sustained, bleak, dark and difficult season. So how does one remain evergreen? or spiritually fresh during such times as these? I'm sure, like me, you found it to be a real challenge. Well, today we come to the last of our meditations in the Book of Psalms, and we've drawn lessons from Psalm 46 and Psalm 23. And today we come to our last psalm, which ironically is actually the very first psalm in the Book of Psalms, Psalm 1. The wicked of Psalm 1 and verse 4 are those who seek independence from God and have only a human or earthly perspective on life. 
and make no mistake, at times, this way of life will appear to be the way of success, prosperity, and worldly acceptance. But this very first psalm is here to help us to see things in ultimate or eternal perspective. This prosperity of the wicked is and always has been something of a delusion. At best, it is temporary or fleeting. Unlike the righteous of verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 1, who are compared to a, a beautiful, colourful, sturdy, well-watered and fruitful tree in verse 3, the wicked are compared to chaff blown away by the wind, verse 4. I googled synonyms for the word chaff and the search engine came up with words like rubbish, waste, refuse and dross to name but a few. Chaff is that dry protective outer casing of the seeds of cereal grains like rice and wheat and oats. It's worthless. So how can you and I be more like the beautiful the beautifully coloured, well-watered, fruitful, sturdy, evergreen tree in the bleak winter that is the COVID-19 pandemic, rather than like worthless, useless chaff living at the mercy of every wind of change and that is eventually blown away in God's judgment. Well, Psalm 1 tells us two things to help us with this. The first is this. You and I need to meditate on God's word constantly. You and I need to meditate on God's word constantly. Look with me at verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 1. These verses describe the Christian, the person who is right in God's sight or righteous. Another way of saying this is to call this person blessed. So verse 1, blessed is the one, verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, i.e. is evergreen. Whatever they do prospers. Now, the law of the Lord in verse 2 is not just for Ten Commandments, nor even the first five books of the Old Testament or the Torah. In simple terms, it means the Bible, the Scriptures. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul writes that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Whether the laws in Deuteronomy, the history of 1 and 2 Chronicles, the poetry in the Song of Songs, the four Gospel accounts of the New Testament, or the, the New Testament letters of Paul, Peter, or John, all is for our instruction. The Bible is meant to teach and instruct us, but it is also meant for our meditation and devotion, and not simply for our careful study and analysis. Eastern mysticism seeks to empty the mind through meditation. By contrast, Christian meditation is a call to fill the mind with truth, 
turning that truth over and over again in the mind, allowing it to grip the heart and stir the affections. Sadly, a 21st century life is unbelievably distracting in this respect. We like to think, don't we, that we are experts at multitasking. We surf the internet, skim reading stuff while listening to music, and so are virtually and, and, and are so visually overstimulated that it's hard to focus on any one thing for significant periods of time. So the idea of meditating on anything, let alone the law of the Lord, is nigh on impossible. Modern life militates against it. According to one writer, one hindrance to growth among Christians today is our failure to give enough time to prayer and Bible reading, and we have abandoned time practice of meditation. Yet meditation needs to come between Bible reading and prayer, so as to open the door between the head and the heart. How on earth is the glory of Christ to ever move or stir us if we never create or find the time to ponder it? It's been suggested that the best Bible scholars are those who can get Bible truth from the ear to the brain. But the best Christian is the person who can get Bible truth from the brain to the heart. Great truths are only great in as far as they affect the heart and the will. Many lack because they only read and do not meditate. It is not only reading that does us good, but the soul inwardly feeding on and digesting what is read. A well-known preacher and writer, Tim Keller, defines meditation as, I quote, taking a truth of the Bible and pressing it down into the very base of your heart until it catches fire. Whoosh. Meditation helps pound the truth into the heart. But how do I do this? Well, first, meditation requires a disciplined application of the mind. So, but second, you can fix your thoughts on a particular Bible verse, passage, chapter, or truth. It will thirdly then mean speaking that truth to your own heart, adding reason upon reason to help you believe it, so that it might take hold, firm hold of your affections, until fourthly, you are so affected by its savour, its sweetness or power, but it catches fire in your very soul, until, if you like, God comes near and you begin to sense his presence. It's the difference, if you like, between, between knowing in your head that honey is sweet and actually tasting for yourself that honey is indeed sweet. The danger for many of us, myself included, is that we settle only for the former and never the latter. And here is a really scary and challenging bit. At the end of verse 2, it is clear that this, says the psalmist, should be a regular preoccupation for the person who wants to know God's blessing. Day and night, writes our poet at the end of verse 2. In the words of yet another writer, day and night is an idiom which means constantly, consistently and regularly. See, this person, this blessed person, this righteous person in our psalm is 
a person who is preoccupied with the word of God, with the law of the law, taking it with them into each day, each situation, and each area of their lives. But of course, if you absolutely love something, you are likely to spend a passionate amount of time studying it, and in great detail. Every sports fan knows this, even if your team is Brighton or worse, the Sheffield Wednesday. If you're not a football fan, both these teams are near the bottom of the Premier League. If you're not sure what that means, just know it's not a good thing. For me personally, I love movies. So I love reading film reviews and watching movie trailers. Dare I say, I could watch movie trailers day and night. Now, how often we meditate on the law of the Lord will be different depending on personal circumstances. The key thing is this. If you want to remain spiritually fresh or evergreen during this difficult season, you will need to make or find the time to meditate on God's word constantly, consistently, and as regularly as it is possible to do so. I wonder, has that ever been a goal of yours? Is this anywhere on your list of priorities? Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, a TV viewing has skyrocketed since the first lockdown back in March of this year. Uh, apparently, watching live broadcasts increased by 17% in the UK, halting years of decline. By April of this year, Disney's new streaming service, Disney Plus, had apparently almost doubled its global subscribers to 50 million people. By contrast, one particular individual uh, in the church that I helped to lead in Southeast London during lockdown spent the last few weeks reading through the entire Bible. I want to suggest the latter as a much better use of time for Christians than making your way through yet another Netflix series. Don't get me wrong, I've been enjoying the, the Crown and the Queen's Gambit just as much as the next person. But if you want to stay ever fresh, first you need to meditate on God's Word. And that needs to be a regular part of your life as a Christian. That's the first thing. Secondly, you need to learn to delight in the Lord himself. You need to learn to delight in the Lord himself. You see, it's not enough to meditate on the word of God, on the law of the Lord. That is a means to a much, much greater end. That end being that we learn to delight in the Lord himself through his word. You can measure your delight for the word of God by how much you hunger after it. A young boy remembers thinking it was weird when his father explained to him why opening the Bible can be such a struggle. His, his father said it was almost as if Satan's finger was pressing down on the cover. As a grown man, he came to believe that this is the truth. What delights you? makes you happy or gets you excited, gets you out of bed in the morning. Your answer is a good measure of what is important to you. If personal pleasure is the only thing that gives you delight, then you are possibly, probably, 
a selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered sort of person. If being with your family or friends delights you, that might be better, but it still falls short and so keeps Satan happy. No, the righteous or blessed person of Psalm 1 finds delight, verse 2, in the law of the Lord. That is why he or she spends all their time chewing it over, digesting it, and inwardly feeding upon it. The trouble is, as you actually read and meditate on the law of the Lord, on God's word in the Bible, you might say to yourself, well, I've never committed murder, adultery, robbery or perjury. I'm basically a pretty good person. But then you go to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus Christ explains the law and the level of righteousness required of each and every one of us. For example, he says, well, you may not have killed anyone, but what about that time you were angry? You deserve to be judged because murder was in your heart, if not in your actions. Which, of course, is where it always begins, with an angry heart. You are therefore no less guilty than an actual murderer, says Jesus, in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Or what about that time you showed contempt for that person, or slandered this other person? The trouble is, when you read what Jesus says about murder, adultery, speaking the truth, and loving others, in the Sermon on the Mount, you begin to feel only despair. You do not feel like you can delight in the Lord or his word because it only exposes and condemns you. How can you become, let alone stay evergreen, how can you take delight in the Lord when confronted with this stark reality? Well, of course, Satan will keep his finger pressed down on your Bible because he does not want you to discover the answer. But the answer, in a word, is Jesus. And only through Jesus. Jesus Christ delighted in the law of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 10, in the New Testament, the writer puts the words of Psalm 40 on the lips of Jesus. So as Jesus came into the world, he said this, Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8, I desire or delight to do your will my god your law is within my heart now if anyone meditated on the law of the lord day and night or took delight in the lord it was jesus he meditated on the law so deeply that he was able to bring it to mind in all sorts of situations and circumstances he brought it to bear in his confrontations with the religious leaders of his day even while dying on the cross, Jesus quoted the scriptures. But Jesus was not just an example of someone who delighted in the law of the Lord. As God himself come in the flesh, he also took the curse of the law upon himself as he hung on the cross and was punished in my place and in your place. You and I break the law of the Lord all the time. And if you're anything like me, you continue to struggle with a disobedient heart and a life that does not always match your profession of faith. But Jesus redeemed. He paid the price for us. 
he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse in our place. He also lived a perfect life, a truly righteous life of obedience to the law. And the promise of the gospel is that if you and I put our trust in Jesus because of his redemptive, his price-paying cross work and his perfect life of obedience, Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 can and is fulfilled in you and I if we're trusting in the Lord Jesus. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says this, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Zephaniah 3 verse 17, my favourite verse in Zephaniah. In other words, you can know for certain that in and through Jesus, God takes great delight in you and is able even to rejoice over you with singing. Like a, a mother cradling her child, slowly singing him or her to sleep. It's a wonderful picture, a glorious picture. So no matter how bad a day or week you have had or are having, maybe you lost your patience with the kids yet again, or shouted at a work colleague, or was unkind to a spouse, a loved one, or a friend. Well, because of Jesus, God takes great delight in you. So in Jesus, and only in and through Jesus, you and I can delight in the Lord and in his law, and so remain evergreen. That is, spiritually fresh and refreshing to those around us. And no matter what you have done, and no matter what lockdown or the new normal throws your way, you can stay spiritually fresh. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and pray. Let's pray together. Merciful Heavenly Father, as we approach Christmas and all the uncertainty that 2021 will bring our way, please forgive us for allowing other things to distract us from focusing on you and your word to us. Forgive us for delighting in other things rather than in you. Help us to remain evergreen or spiritually fresh and to be those who take great delight in you and what you've done for us as we regularly meditate on who you are and what you've done for us in and through your word, the living word, Jesus Christ. As we do this, help us to be those who refresh those around us. Help us to be those who remain spiritually fresh. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.